Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Do you want Erin told me? Mm. She was like, oh my God, Uba asked the cutest question and went around and asked, like, how did you meet the person you love? But no, why you love? Yeah. We go, why? Yeah. And Erin was like, what Hobbit said was like, I like Jessel because she lets me do what I want. Um, that's exactly not what he said. No. No. It's being able to do what you love with someone else and then put up with your shit. And she's like, it was so weird. He wasn't wearing his ring. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. Whoa. <laughs> Is she trying to imply, what the f***? Are you serious? Am I right now stirring the pot and did it? Yes, but you know, this is a serious topic. Pop it! Friends are the place where you should go when you're having marital problems or help them through it. We shouldn't be trying to poke holes in people's marriages. The only time you want to poke holes is in condoms with really rich men. Episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our Housewives edition for the week. I think given this week, we all need a little escape from what's going on. And what better way to dive into the cool, dramatic waters, choppy though they may be, of the Housewives, shall we? Let's do it. Starting off with Roni, Bryn's on day three of her quarantine, so we don't really see too much of her until the end of the episode. We start the episode with like a she said, she said, right? Because Psy FaceTimes Aaron to tell her about the lunch with Jessel while Jessel goes over to Jenna fucking Lyons' house to tell her her side. Jenna's going to be going to Scotland with a brand, which means that she's not going to be going to our event of the episode, which is Aaron's swingers night at the indoor golf place. Jessel tells Jenna. She and Pavit did the deed, officially. And listen, she's like, I can't justify why it took so long. I think there might be something emotional going on with both of us. And how it's, like, not a simple thing. It's not black and white. But then she said she had 
lunch with Sai because she felt like tension and she wanted to address it. And then she's like, you know, I felt really bad about running late. And Jenna asks her, how late were you? And she says, 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, girl. Was it 15 minutes after Sai showed up? Because I can't rock with you on that part. You were 40 something minutes late. You did not text. You did not call. You apologized. And granted, like, the conversation went on your side. No, it didn't really go on your side. But in terms of, like, the court of public opinion, it worked out for you. <laughs> but you shouldn't have, you should have thrown a text, girl. You, you could throw a text and say, I'm going to be late. You were not 15 minutes late. Okay. But anyway, um, when Jessel tells her, Jenna, about her telling Sai about her uncle, Jenna tells Jessel, it sounds like this was a lot more meaningful for you to be understood. And that's like, not what you got. Right. And then Jenna says in a confessional that oftentimes people want from somebody who won't give to them and how, like, when you get that, it's like, you know, like the cat going for somebody who doesn't pay, who doesn't like cats. Right. Like, you want to be understood and it's like you want that person the most. That's the person you go after the most, right? The one that doesn't want you. So Jenna tells Jessel, like, a bit of good advice. Listen, <clears throat> I can tell that you get overwhelmed and in that moment you backpedal. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. And Jessel's like, but I just feel like I constantly have to prove myself. But then, like, I don't, but I do with her, right? And then Jessel says in a confessional, or Jenna, rather, sorry. I know her intentions were good and she was just trying to relate, but your mom's your mom and it's different from anybody else on the planet. And I'll just like put a pin in that, right? Because she's right. But I also feel like people, you can only respond to the information that you're given. And I don't feel like Aaron, I mean, Aaron's definitely not being sold a bill of goods here. We'll talk about that in a second. But. I also think that maybe Jessel's not doing herself a good service by um, explaining her side because she's like, oh, well, I talked about my uncle. And it, and in that way, it does sound like, oh, you took Sai's very unfortunate situation with her mother passing and we're just like, oh, yeah, well, my uncle was an alcoholic. And, you know, like it, it sounds like like I could understand why Jenna would respond in that way because this is the information that she's being given. But I don't agree with her. Does that make sense? So then let's get over to Sai and Aaron's FaceTime, right? Sai, first off, starts talking about Jessel and her vagina and is telling Aaron about how what she told her, like, you know, it took her 25 minutes to warm up. But, like, what, are you a fucking oven? Does somebody need to preheat you? And it's like, girl, <laughs> shut up. And why were y'all acting confused? Like, it, wh what? It took her a moment to get turned on? Huh? Like, is that, as if that's not, like, the most common thing that ha- Like, that's not a weird thing at all. And at this point, like, Aaron and Sai are just mean girls. Like, truly mean girls. Like, I don't like to use that term because it's very overused. But this is just, like, y'all being, like, nothing Jessel could say is cool or makes sense to us we're gonna poke holes in everything we're gonna like be like uh, what like this is just you guys hyping each other up for nothing like why are y'all like excuse you it took her 25 minutes to get turned on <laughs> what 
So then Cy tells her she's 40 minutes late. I mean, we all know that I agree with that, right? Didn't call her. And then she's like, yeah. And then she brings up my mother and how she related because her uncle's an alcoholic. And Aaron's like, that's really insensitive to compare, insensitive to compare it to your mother. But here's my thing. Like, Jessel lived with this man. I imagine living with him. I lived with somebody who had a drinking problem. Like, the experiences that you have with these people are, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's, like, every day. And if it's, like, nothing happens, there's always that overlying tension that something is going to happen because something's going to happen. And it's, like, I get that. And then she also feels very guilty. And he also died, you know, from that thing. I didn't really take what... I have definitely seen experiences on the housewives where we're always one-upping each other. Sigh, you do it. <clears throat> and uh, it's just like, I don't think this is what's happening with Jessel. I really don't. I think what's happening is that Jessel understandably feels a lot of pressure from Sai to perform to whatever arbitrary, invisible rules that that Sai has for Jessel and uh, whether or not she's being honest or whether or not she's giving enough information or too much information or you care, you don't care. Um, whatever Sai decides to be upset with at Jessel in every given moment, it feels a lot of pressure. And so maybe sometimes like things don't come out perfectly or maybe they're not said in the right way or whatever but I get why that happens because you're staring at somebody who you know is just waiting to pick apart everything that you say it's a lot of pressure and you know there are like whole YouTube accounts dedicated to the art of interrogation and you know the FBI and people have to be trained for things like this to tell because you know when people get in nervous situations that they might act a little odd or out of sorts, how to tell the difference between somebody just being like a little bit weird and somebody just outright lying? Because you can understand how the pressure of a high stress situation might, uh, you know, alter somebody's behavior. And I'm not acting like, I don't, don't want to say that like size, you know, got an overhead light to Jessel, but it, it's kind of giving at this point. <laughs> so Aaron tells Sai that like, Jessel likes to skirt around and try to compare situations that aren't the same and how crazy that is. And then Sai's like, well, moving on. Anyway, did you know that her husband's going to Vietnam for three days next week? But the reason why is because he's trying to rack up points. And Aaron's like, wait, that's bizarre. You know, like, these are just like, they're an echo chamber, right? So Sai is like, yeah, he's going to be there for 24 hours. That's enough time to get in trouble. Aaron says in a confessional, listen, I'll put it this way. When you add up they haven't had sex in two years. He was a roommate. The Popsicle, which had nothing to do with Pop, Pop it. it. You know, you can't forget the Popsicle. That tied into him going to Vietnam for one night is strange. Like, Pop it's not the one who put it up her vagina, right? I don't think so. I think she said this was a pre-Pop it Popsicle. A pre-Pop it p- Pussy Popsicle. So what does that have to do with Pop it going to Vietnam? We gotta strike that one from the record, girl. Strike that one. Anyway, so then she gets Gabe, Gabe, Abe over to uh, have Sai tell him about Pavit's mileage run. And Abe's like, what? So like three, four days of peace and quiet and you get the point? That's not a bad deal. So Aaron's like, yeah, I, I think Abe and Dar- David would like love just that peace and quiet. But okay, so you get it for your husband. 
You get it for David. But you don't get it for Poppet. Even though your husband was just like, completely, yeah, like, I totally understand why he would do that. That still wasn't enough for you? It's chill for Abe, but not for Poppet. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna have to talk about that later. Let's talk about Beatnik. Uba going over to Beatnik, this vegan restaurant. I'm not sure, like, if that's outside of New York, but they definitely have a few locations in the city. Um, so she's there to like do a collaboration with them, which I think is a very smart thing. I feel like Uba and I are businesswomen in the same regard, which is like, we don't really like to make waves. We just like to have things happen organically. And it's like, if you hear me, cool, great, happy to have you. If not, that's also chill. Cause I'm just like doing my own thing. Right. Like I'm not trying to like pussy pop in a headstand for people to listen to me like you do or, or you don't I'm fine I'm totally chill either way so she's saying that like she just doesn't want anybody to invest in her because she doesn't want to have to answer questions and so at this point she's just being her own sugar mama and just making it rain from her own pockets over on Uba Hot but something like this collaboration is good because it's like a way to get her name out there and then like if people like the brand or like the sandwich that they pick then you know then they'll you know if you build it they will come sort of shit right so basically they find the sandwich and I was ugh, just devastated you know I was on google immediately uba hot uba sandwich beatnik and they don't have it it was a collaboration that only that ended in April of this year but because of the episode, they released an Uba bowl and I just felt like the ingredients were something that I could make. So, and I don't think it, had, I don't know if it infused any Uba hot. I think it was just like, you know, like go to a deli and, and you have somebody from Broadway who has a sandwich named after them. I think that's what it was. I actually don't think it infused Uba hot, but it was like, I mean, you can look, it's like rice, beans like a whole banana which we know she loves and some kind of something else I can't remember but this sandwich looked good as hell and I wanted that drop the sandwich she was doing the whole thing about a pretzel bun and how the first time she bit into one it was a spiritual moment for her and she in a confessional asks for a moment of silence for the pretzel bun I understood that that's brand synergy okay <laughs> that's me connecting with the owner being like yeah I I understand this brand. I understand the mission. And I want to be part of it. But she's got to... Listen, girl. You got to find somebody to make you come down on that price a little. Because I can't spend $60 on, on three jars of hot sauce. I just can't. Not even on the business card. I can't do it. I can't justify it. I mean, like, I could. Should I? Sound off in the comments if I should get Uba Hot. And, and let you guys know how I feel about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a little video for it. But anyway. Um... The sandwich looks good as hell. So bring that sandwich back. That's my point. Okay. Let's go to Brooklyn. Sai is having her Aunt Sophia come to visit. They have a very special relationship because Sai's mother was Sophia's older sister, but Sophia's kind of the matriarch of the family. So they're cooking in the kitchen. They're talking about how um, two Thanksgivings ago when Sai's mother was over, she was, you know, fiddling with her palooka, her wig, while everybody else was cooking downstairs. And then Sai tells her aunt that she's got a gift for her. David, you ate that, okay? You really ate that one. He took a picture of all of her mother Barbara's art, which was actually really good. Very, she seemed very talented art. Took pictures of it and had it made into a book to give to their aunt. 
ate that, okay? He did. He really, really did. Um, apparently, according to Sai, all the people in her family are creative, so it's not like art, uh, photography, whatever, music, being an influencer. I don't know. They're all creative, she says, but this was like a really nice moment for Sai. She needs them. She definitely needs to be humanized a little bit. But I can't see you only be nice to your family, girl, and then horrific to everybody else. <laughs> Gotta find a little middle middle ground between there. Um, our other scene with Jenna for the episode was her going to Dita Eyewear to pick out some new glasses with Beckett, her son, and like basically she just like gives us some more information about her relationship with Beckett. They do a week on, week off custody. So she tries to like schedule her travel for when he's going to be gone anyway i know nothing about glasses because i have excellent vision don't need them but um 550 dollars seems a lot for frames right i don't know my only uh, knowledge of like what a frame would cost is from my mother who is like she'll, she'll get like the two for the two first you know <laughs> she does not care <laughs> my mother what is the statute of limitations over on this? When she was working, I think what she just like, I, I don't know what she was doing, but she just found somebody else's glasses and just like would take them. Just like, well, this prescription will do. That, that's good enough. <laughs> and she wore those glasses for years. I don't know where she found those. <laughs> anyway, then we get two swingers for Aaron's event, right? Aaron orders every guacamole that you could get on the menu. And when Sai shows up, she tells her, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, she ordered a bunch of food. And Sai says, oh, don't worry about it. I already ate. Because I, I didn't know if there was going to be food here. So Aaron says in a confessional, that's actually really insulting. Because what? It, it's my event, so you worried I'm not going to feed you? And it's like, yeah, girl. <laughs> Basically. Sai finds out that the only other people that are coming are Poppet, Jessel, and Uba. So she's already tightened her panties about this, right? Sai's like, I don't know what to say to Jessel because I genuinely don't care. And I just want her to be herself. Even though I don't give her a soft place to land on whatsoever, it's basically just like a pile of nails that you could jump down on back first or face first, really. I mean, just be yourself, girl. I don't care. Even though it's the only thing that I could talk about. I definitely don't care about this. But then Sai says in a confessional, we'll see how long this lasts because I do get cranky really easy. And it's like, yeah, exactly. So David starts asking about the date and Sai is like, oh, you know, she told me that they had sex, but like, we need you, Abe and Pavit, to get the truth out of, or Abe and David, we need you to get the truth out of Pavit. So Abe is like, well, what do I get in return? And Aaron goes, I'm good for a couple days. So Sai goes, what, did you put out this morning? And Aaron goes, well, you got a blowjob. It's a big deal. And Abe goes, well, it shouldn't be a big deal. So Sai goes, well, good for you. You must have done something really good. And Abe goes, oh, I did. She was very happy. <laughs> and then Abe says in his own confessional that he feels bad for Aaron. Because he wants it all the time. But Erin says in her own confessional, no comment. These people are so not on the same page. And I'll tell you what, I don't even think Sai si and Erin really like each other or enjoy each other that much. I think this is just like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they're just like, honestly, like, I think they think that they're hot shit. I think that they think that they're, they're cool girls. And so they're like, okay, well, this is an alliance, not a friendship. 
I'm not really seeing a friendship from them. So after that, Jessel and Pavit show up. And Jessel's like, obviously there's tension in the air. But I'm not sure where all this tension is coming from. Maybe she doesn't like me because I dress better than her. <laughs> so Abe asks Pavit how their night at the Ritz was. And he was like, yeah, it was a great time. Like, we never get a break from the kids. So Abe then says, well, Aaron was just telling me that you're going to Vietnam for points. And so Pavit's explaining to the whole group, yeah, the ticket's normally $15,000 round trip. But he got it on sale in like 2019. They were on sale for $900. He bought three tickets and has flown two of them. The other one's about to expire, right? The size is like, okay, but why are you going? Like, do you love Vietnam? How many times have you been? Like, what's the deal, right? So Abe's like, are you going there just to come back? And Papa's like, yeah, have you ever flown international first class? Which is like kind of a read. He's like, but you just sit on the plane, you eat caviar, good food. So Abe's like, oh, okay, I get that. But Sai says in a confessional, honestly, I'm just confused why one person flies to Vietnam for miles. Like, is his business there or does he have some business there? <sighs> so Pavit says there's two benefits for him. First, he gets away. Second, he gets to earn miles so that he can take the whole family on vacation in the future. So Sai asks if he's going to stay overnight. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to get a bon mi sandwich and come back. So she's like, okay, well, when are you leaving? And Aaron's like, oh, I want to go. And Pavit's like, we can all go, but there's no date yet. And then Sai's like, oh, I thought you were leaving next week. And he's like, no, like it's booked the day that the flights open up. So Jessel says in a confessional, I have never in my life had friends so invested in my husband's travel schedule. Like, am I going to ask how many shits Abe took that day? I don't care. And I'm with you. Like, I would not give a damn about this. Like, she's asking all these questions that I wouldn't even think to because the level of care wouldn't even register for me. I don't care. And again, like, I know that I said early in those first couple seasons, I was like, what are episodes? I was like, what's going on here? It does seem weird. And it did seem weird because I was thinking this was him, like, just being like, oh, I don't want to hang out with the kids. I'm like being an absentee father or whatever. But, like, we're, we've heard this explanation. And, again, you're just being like, he can't win with you. There's nothing that he could say that was going to make sense to you. So, you know, it's like, we got to find softer places for people to land, okay? If you want them to be honest and open with you, try not being a monster. <laughs> try being nice. How about that? Have you tried being nice? How about that? So then the staff comes and they're like, oh, okay, we're ready for you guys to play, but they have to stagger. So the guys go out first while we have this unfortunate conversation. And Erin asks Jessel if she's okay, right? She's like, I I know that like you haven't seen Sai since lunch. So Jessel's like, well, yeah, it just wasn't what I expected, but I kind of thought that her energy was cold and almost negative towards me. And honestly, I don't know what I've done to Sai. So Sai must have gone to the bathroom or something. So she comes back. He's like, what are you guys talking about? And Jess was like, oh, she's like our lunch. And Sai's like, oh my God, that was one of the most awkward lunches ever. This lunch that you didn't care, right? So Jess was like, why? And Sai's like, well, I just feel like the reasons why you wanted to talk to me were, it could have been a phone call. Aaron's, Jessel's back is to Aaron. So she can't see that Aaron is cackling behind her back. And Jessel's like, I know, but sometimes you just want a lunch. And Sai's like, 
You wanted to meet me to tell me that you're not comparing your struggles, but why do you think out of everything we did in Anguilla, that would bother me the most? And size or Jessel says, well, because we had that moment on the boat and you seemed upset. Cut to a flashback of her screaming, sigh, we want to know about you, it's that simple! Like, that might be why. Because you were screaming in her face. Sai tells Jessel that she was upset because she's not understanding what they're saying. Like, there's no accountability for anything. She's talking in circles. It's like, nothing's making sense. And then she's sitting at that lunch and you bring up my mom. And, like, to be honest with you, I don't want to talk about my mom in that aspect. Like, I was actually offended, to be honest. So Sai's like, okay. But I was talking about my uncle and I thought my experience with that would relate to yours. I'm not saying to create, like that it's as bad like I'm just trying to create I'm not trying to create similarities I'm just you know just trying to relate to you right but then they get up interrupted because Uba walks in but Uba says in a confessional like she could tell the energy's off immediately and she's like listen Jessel told me what happened because we do see from three hours before they were on a phone call where Jessel's like yeah I had a conversation with Sai and it didn't go well but Uba's like maybe she didn't tell me everything like they're really fighting but she's like you know what it's always nice when the spotlight of dysfunction is not for you, right? So she and Aaron are hugging because they're like sisters in arms. Like, thank God we're not fighting with each other. Then she tells all the girls that she wore tights because she thought it was like a sex swing kind of situation and she was going to look for a sugar daddy. But here comes Sai to tell Uba that she needs to sit down because she was talking to Jessel. <laughs> so everybody's, everybody on mute. I'm having a conversation with one person. So the side goes back to Jessel and was like, why would you bring up stuff when we're no longer in Anguilla? And it's like, that's your problem. Or you're not problem. Cause you don't care. Right. Okay. So Jessel says, but I, I it just never meant to upset you. And so I was like talking about my mom that I never opened up about. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. How the heck was Jessel supposed to know that when you opened up about your mother, that this was like something that you didn't ever want to talk about and you never want to talk. And it's like that vault was just open you know, like the Disney vault used to open and like 1992 would be like, oh, the Little Mermaid's back or whatever. But then it closed again. And so we're not supposed to talk about it anymore. It's like, how the hell was Jessel supposed to know that? Like, I wouldn't tell a story about my dad and then be like, you guys should have known that I don't want to talk about my dad right after I talked about my dad. Like, how are, how, that's not fair to put down somebody. And also, she wasn't talking about your dad. She was talking about her uncle in relation. Your, your mom. She's talking about her uncle in relationship to your mother. But not really. They just had, you know what I mean. She didn't bring up her mama. Again. Not that we saw. But anyway. So Uba's trying to get the tea from Aaron as to what's going on, right? And Aaron's like, honestly, I understand where Sai's coming from. Because, like, she's saying, you know, to bring up your mom at my mom at the lunch was compared to your uncle. Like, it's not the same. Like everybody's got their drunk uncle, drunk cousin. Like I've got a couple and it's like, this is what I'm saying. Like things are not being delivered correctly. Cause you're just acting like, Oh, this is whoever, like you're drunk, whoever you're high, whoever. And no, that's not the story. It's not. So Sai tells Jessel that she was super offended. No, she didn't care. I was super offended. And Jessel says, Okay. But in a confessional, Jessel's like, I'm honestly blown away. You're offended that I shared a story about my uncle who went through a really hard time and eventually passed away. I have no words. 
Sai keeps going on about how Jessel talks in circles sometimes, which is interesting. And Sai's like, well, I'm a fucking publicist. That's what I do. <laughs> so Sai's like, be real. Be real and honest. Sai tells her, or Jessel tells her, I've never lied to you guys. But Sai goes, you just told me. You just told me that Pavit's going to Vietnam next week. And now he's going when a ticket opens up. That's what you told me. This is what you're upset about. So Jessel's like, listen. That's what I thought was going to happen when I told you that. He has to go when the tickets open. And Sai's like, well, you're telling me you never lied, but you just lied. You just lied. So Jessel's like, that's what we discussed that week. That's what I thought was happening. And Sai goes, at the end of the day, I don't care. <laughs> you're a liar. You just lied. I don't care. At the end of the day, I don't care. I don't care. So Jessel's like, okay, I don't care either. Like, seriously, I'm over this mean girl shit. And Sai's like, you make no sense when you speak. You cannot answer a question and you speak in circles. So Jessel goes, the minute I try, this is what happens. And here she is, your pet parrot, Erin. <laughs> so Sai's like, but she's not talking to me right now. So she's not my pet parrot. So then Sai's like, you had me sitting there for 35 minutes and didn't have the decency to call me. I didn't even want to be there. It's a waste of my time, which is just like me and girl shit. Like, you don't have to say that. I didn't even want to be there. Ugh. So Jessel asks, why did you go then? And Sai's like, well, I was being nice. No, no, you weren't. <laughs> if this is being nice, what is you being mean, ma'am? my god she's like you know i'm actually so fucking over you and then sai gets up and she's like let's just be done calls her a bitch under her breath jess is like i've never met anybody who has lacked the amount of empathy that sai has in this moment and by the way she hasn't seen this bitch yet i've been very pc <laughs> so the guys are interrupted by sai she's like i'm gonna play with you boys uh very like alex hall from selling the oc of her i'm gonna be the boys these girls are crazy so David asked her, okay, I was just talking to Pavit. What would you say if I told you I was going to be going to Vietnam repeatedly? And she said, I'd be like, who the fuck are you fucking? So then she goes, what happened in Vietnam if you go over and over? And Pavit says in a confessional, I'm actually wondering why Sai keeps bringing this trip up. Like, I think she thinks that there's something else going on and she's trying to catch me in a lie. But there's no lie. I'm just going to eat upon me. Like, be concerned about your own relationships. Let me and Jess be. So then all the guys and girls come back together and Sai is talking loudly to Aaron. Like, I'm just being honest. I say the things that people aren't thinking, but they don't want to talk about because they're being cordial. I'm just being fucking honest. Ugh, one, I didn't want to go to lunch. Two, you were late. It really pissed me off. Three, you lied to me about the Vietnam shit because that's the reason why you were doing this vacation. And Aaron's like, oh, so now Aaron and Sai are upset with Jessel because she said that they were doing this vacation at a particular period of time because Pavit was going to go to Vietnam. So they wanted to do it before he left. So now they're upset with Jessel because she said that. But now he's not going to Vietnam. But why do you guys care? Because the thing that y'all were upset about originally, if you want to go back 70,000 pages to whatever bullshit you guys have been upset with her about this whole time, you were originally upset because she and Pavit weren't having sex, and now you're upset because they scheduled the staycation that you suggested for them, demanded really, before he was going to Vietnam, but he's actually not going to Vietnam, 
for a couple of months. So, like, what? Were they supposed to be, like, wh- so what? What is there to be upset about? You wanted them to fuck, they fucked. Okay? That's it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So now Aaron's like, oh my God, she's a liar. She and Pavit really need to get on the same page. Like they're being messy and they're like not keeping their stories straight or whatever. Did you want them to fuck or not? What is going on here? Uh, so David is like a little, being a little bit brash with Uba. He's like, Uba, you're beautiful. You're like my wife. I love her. You're honest. You're perfect. You're, you're gorgeous. You're bold. You're beautiful. Why are you still single girl? And she's like, I don't know, David. Why don't we all bow our heads and ask God? You can do it in your own language. <laughs> and I love that for her. So then she asks the men, like, she completely turns it around. And I, I really love this because you could tell that this is something that everybody asks her, like, oh, my God, you're so gorgeous. Why are you so single? And she has to, like, make it light and bright and, like, turn it around. And she does perfectly. She shouldn't have to, but she does it. So she asks the men, what was it about your wives that made you think like you're she's the one right (laughs) these bitches she says (laughs) what made you guys think these bitches were the one (laughs) so david says for him it was easy he's like i've never met a woman in my life who's more honest than her and on top of that we laugh all the time so for him it was humor and honesty abe says his biggest thing was that he wanted somebody who could keep him honest somebody he could make happy not have a boring life. They could travel. They love music. They love sex. She loves good food. She could put up with my shit and I could put up with hers for the most part. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, hey. Now listen to what Pavit says. Pavit, who's drunk, he says, you know, life's an adventure and, you know, you don't want to live a boring life and I just want to travel and eat and have fun and do whatever. And she's the perfect partner. So it's like about being able to do what you love with someone else and they put up with your shit now when i heard this i'm like bob just said exactly what abe said he basically like bar for bar just said exactly what abe said but for some reason when Pavit says it Sai says in a confessional i'm sorry you married her because she just lets you do whatever you want and aaron's like i think there's more to it and i have theories <laughs> what he literally just said exactly what abe said now y'all had, you have no problem oh abe's going off to another widespread panic show by himself away from aaron and the kids nobody has a problem with that who's he hanging out with we're not questioning that 
You dropping acid with a bunch of college sophomores from Pepperdine? Nobody has any questions. Nobody gets asked Abe that. Why are you a DJ? As a hobby, as a grown-ass man. Okay? Who who are you hanging out with then? Late nights when you're spinning tunes at some bar on the Lower East Side. But no questions for that. But pause it. Oh. She lets you do whatever you want? Oh, okay. oh, that's a problem. Okay. It really sounds like outside of these random runs that he's done two times in two years, all he does is, like, eat fried chicken from the Fried Chicken Society and stay at home with the kids. So, what's the problem? Leave Pavit alone. I'm a full tank top. <laughs> My stand card has, has been embossed. I'm, I'm tank top. And that's for both of them. That's for Pavit and Jethel. I got my tank top on. Then we have to talk about this, like, maybe you wouldn't think too much about it moment, but it obviously comes out as, like, a big storyline for the finale. So, Uba shows Sai her phone and just, like, flashes something, like a video or whatever. And she says in a confessional, you know, since David's so curious, I'm just going to show his wife what's going on in my life. So, she shows her whatever's on her phone and she says, like, you know, guy's got ten bedrooms. And Sai's like, oh, okay, like, you know, whatever, like, I'll keep this in the vault, right? So the producer asks Uva, why are you keeping this a secret from the rest of the group? And she's like, listen, it's new. I don't want anybody's energy on this. So why you told Sai is beyond me. But Sai does pinky swear that she won't tell. So more on that next episode, I guess. Bryn and Jenna, this is the end of the episode, go over to Jessel's house. Brenna's fresh from her quarantine, kissing everybody right on the mouth. And she tells them that she's going to be having a birthday party. It's like sexy, creative black tie. We're going to be wearing like masks or whatever, or the whole thing. So Jessel's like, God, I miss you guys so much. Like we had a whole thing at Swingers. So she tells them about the lunch with Sai and how everything was fine when they left Anguilla. But Brenna and Jenna are like, was it? Because it really didn't seem that way. But Jessel's like, well, I thought it was just a misunderstanding. And then Sai tells me that she's offended about me bringing her mom up. And Jenna's like, listen, I think that losing her mother the way she did and recently, it's just like different than an uncle, respectfully. Jess was like, but the energy was just really cold. She called me prude. She called me a diva. And Jenna's like, okay, well, Pavit, because he's just like hanging out, having a little glass of champagne himself. Is he a diva? Is, is Jessel a diva? And he's a Jessel? No. But is side bipolar? Yes. And Brynn is like, ooh, Pavit, you really got to take that back. Like, walk that back, right? And it gets very uncomfortable. But he's like, well, she flips the switch. And, like, one time she's fine and she's not. But she's like, no, well, I think what you meant to say is that one minute you think you're connecting, but then she changes, right? So Pavit's like, okay, I'll retract it. But... I just don't get her and I don't understand why she would accuse Jess of lying about Vietnam. So he explains that he's going soon, but there's no timeline. Like it could open, the borders are closed. They can open up any second. He's just like counting down to see when it happens. That's what he was saying. But Jess was like, also who cares? Like it's a stupid thing to lie about. And exactly like, what would this, what benefit would this be to Jessel or Pavit to lie about this? Like who cares? So Brynn says, well, Aaron told me about 
like Uba asking why they love their wives. And Aaron told me that Pavit said that he liked Jessel because she just lets him do what he wants. And she's like, that's not what he said. Not what he said. But then Bryn tells her, well, Aaron said like he wasn't wearing his ring there. And like, you know, he's going to Vietnam. Princess in a confessional. Am I stirring the pot? Yeah, but this is a serious topic. We shouldn't be trying to poke holes in people's marriages. The only time you poke holes is in condoms with very rich men. Seriously. So they asked Pavit if he remembers what he said. And he's like, no, I was like six scotches in. But then they say like, he was like, but I know I didn't say that. And then they say like, oh, the reason why he doesn't wear his ring is because he lost his ring two weeks into their marriage. But I think even if he had the ring and just didn't wear it, you acting like this is weird on a date night with two other married couples that's being filmed in a public space i don't think like who was he was papa gonna be like trying to send a message to somebody at swingers that he was trying to hit it like i don't think i think that's really weird like if you see him at a club by himself and he's not wearing his ring fair enough but on a again on a date night with other married couples again i wouldn't even that would not have even registered with me Jenna tells both of them, you don't need to defend this. And she says in a confessional, any relationship conversations should be private, especially if something's wrong. So bringing that up in public is actually very hurtful. Jessel says, I just like addressing things in the moment, but I think I have to move on. And Bren is like, I think people say that they're going to move on, but so they don't have to stand up for themselves in the moment. But Jessel's like, no, I did. And Cy walked away. But Bren goes, no, she insulted you and got bored. And how people treat you is a direct result of how you let them. So this is not the end of it. And I think she's, that's interesting insight. I think she's right. And I think she's right when she says, the second Jessel just tells Cy to shut the fuck up and stay out of her business, Cy's going to back down and be like, oh, do you want to have a drink? But also, Jessel shouldn't have to do that. Like, I shouldn't have to buck up to you for you to be nice to me. Like, just be nice to me, right? So Jessel's like, listen, I'm successful. I have a career. I don't mean this mean girl bullying shit. And then she also says, and I just want to shut this down. Like, this is my best friend. Okay. Let's close the loop on that. All right. <laughs> like, yes, bitch. That's my bestie. Pop it. And <laughs> so, yeah. She's just like, I'm over it. And she gets kind of emotional. She's like, it's not an opinion anymore at this point. Like, it's targeting. And I'm glad that she's seeing this. I'm glad that she's seeing this. And I'm glad she's maybe going to stand up for herself. But maybe she seems like Sai leaves anyway. Because uh, Bren puts it out there next week that Sai said something about her boyfriend. Or Uba's boyfriend. But Sai is screaming like, I didn't say that on camera. And then she leaves. <laughs> Flop. Behavior, you guys. After All right, my friend Kathy and I left Lisa's party, she's not my problem. She's her own problem. We got in the car and we're driving for about 15 minutes or so in a terrible, terrible snowstorm. And our driver lost control of the car. On one side of the road was the cliff, and the other side was a snowbank. And it appeared that we were going to go over the cliff. And he somehow gained enough control to steer us into the snowbank. 
It was terrifying. I thought I was dying. Right. Let's get into Salt Lake for the week. Angie, we're picking up where we left off last week. Where Angie's, we're at the Opry Soiree Ski Girls and Gays White Party. Where Angie's asking Meredith to speak separately, right? And she says, I'm just going to get to the point. It sounds like you're spreading rumors about my husband. And I obviously don't need to go into detail about what that is. But Meredith says that there, there are rumors about your husband, but I'm not spreading them. So Angie says, well, I've been hearing from multiple girls in the group about Sean with other men. And like Whitney starts sitting down and everybody keeps joining the group and in, into this conversation. Right. And Meredith is like, I'm not talking about your husband. So she sees Whitney and goes, first of all, I haven't talked to Whitney about anything. So I don't know what she said to you. <laughs> and Whitney goes, you did. You said that in the airport that you heard rumors about her husband. So Meredith says, well, maybe I said I heard rumors, but that's all I said. So then Angie then pops the fuck off and is like, you go after every marriage in the group. When meanwhile, you're the only one spreading your legs outside of your marriage. So Meredith goes, we're done. We're done. I don't want to talk to people who don't speak to me with respect. Why don't you go shove whipped cream up Monica's mouth again and be respectful? I have never spoken to you with disrespect. Learn how to treat me with respect. And she gives her the literal talk to the hand hand and walks away in her turtleneck Valentino cape going over to Lisa and Mary. <laughs> but Angie follows after her and is like, don't run away. If you're going to talk about me and my marriage, look me in the eye and you address it. So then she goes to Lisa. <clears throat> Did you like it when she was spreading rumors about you giving blowjobs for Jastic? <laughs> And listen, I think we could all agree that this is 99.9% not true, not possible. Lisa honestly doesn't seem like a blowjob woman to me, but that's neither here nor there. What's funny to me is that they always cut to Lisa's reaction when it gets brought up. And every time she's like, God damn it. <laughs> and that really kills me. <laughs> so at this point, Heather walks up and she's like, girl, what's going on? Right. And they're like, oh, you know, Monica tells her like, they're talking about her husband sleeping with other men. And Heather goes, okay, okay, okay. So Lisa says when Meredith told her that there were rumors about Sean and Angie, she was really just hoping it was a drunken moment, not something that she was actually intending on acting on. She's like, I can't believe she's doing the same thing again. But she's not, really. She did keep it there. Whitney got the battery in Monica's back to tell Angie. Meredith didn't really, well, I mean, she started it by saying it, but the rumors and the nastiness, but she didn't continue it. Whitney did. So Lisa asked Monica, I want to hear from you. She's like, I want to hear from you. And Monica's like, well, she said that Sean fucks men. And Lisa goes, no, he does not. No, he does not. So Monica goes, yeah, and that he's like got boyfriends going around bragging about their sex or whatever. Mary's hearing all this and she says in a confessional, I can't believe I wasted another outfit on this event. Like, where's the food? What are we eating? <laughs> you guys, Lisa, or Mary rather, was on Watch What Happens Live with Z-Way. It was one of the most awkward appearances of all time. It was perfectly Mary Cosby. And by that, I mean, she was horrific. She was an absolutely horrific uh, body shaving Heather at one point and saying that she didn't think that Gucci made uh, corsets in a size 14 in her confessional. She didn't think it was real. Um just horrible things i mean she did say one funny thing where she andy asked her if she's spoken to jen since she's been on the inside and she goes andy i didn't want to speak to her when she was on the outside <laughs> which we all know is absolutely true 
<laughs> she claims that basically she's like um prophetic or whatever because she kept saying like oh i you know she accidentally told jen i pray that you're guilty she's like i knew i knew that she was mary cosby ladies and gentlemen but anyway monica's like you know everybody wants to pretend like they haven't heard this rumor but all of these women have heard about this they've talked about this or they've spread the rumor like this is fake shit that's some utah shit so whitney asks heather if she's heard about it and she's like yeah but Whitney's like i've never heard that but heather's like yeah it's salt lake everybody says that about male hairdressers and then she says in a confessional this is utah I've been to family reunions where if a guy wears a cardigan, they think he's gay. As soon as she married a guy who has tapered pants and custom-made suits, like, the rumors are going to start flying. So Mary asks Lisa if there's any food. And then she's like, I want to take it to go. So Lisa scrambles up a flatbread for Mary. Monica goes, you know, a fresh pizza is really what we need right now. And Mary goes, you can order your own. <laughs> Monica just stares at her. So then Mary gets all upset with the chef because he's like, I'm sorry, we don't have pizza boxes to put this in. So he just hands her like a regular box. She's like, what? You couldn't do, you couldn't put the pizza in the box, like customer service. And he's like, well, I didn't want to use my bare hands. She goes, oh, so you're lazy. Monster. She's an absolute monster. And she said on Watch What Happens Live, I said what I said. I do think that he was being lazy. So again, Mary Cosby. <laughs> Meredith is going on. To some blonde lady named Kathy, who clearly just got a blowout from, you know, you can tell that the lady's been going to her hairdresser for like 25 years and they're just like, just do the same washing set, girl. That's Kathy. Okay. Kathy is living a good life. I'm not saying that she's not. I'm just saying I know what I'm looking at. But anyway, Meredith is talking to Kathy because she has nobody else to talk to at this point about how great her marriage is. And Kathy's just happy to be there. You know, she really wants to hold a snowflake. It's never going to happen for you, babe. But I love your enthusiasm. Angie goes up to Meredith and Kathy and goes, I'm so sorry for you that you're so miserable. <laughs> and Meredith's like, I'm not miserable. I have a very happy marriage. And then she tells Lisa there's something wrong with Angie. She's got this weird thing about me, but that's not my problem. So Lisa's just staring at her, but she says in a confessional, I can't believe that Meredith is playing a victim right now. Like the real victim in this situation is Angie and me. It's my party. <laughs> so after the party, we head over to Angie's house. That house is blindingly white. Why is everything so white in there? It's got to be so like, no wonder she's always high energy. She probably never gets to sleep. It's high, br the whitest, brightest whites that you could find everywhere. It's wild. It must be a nightmare to film in there. The camera people must be like, how the hell do we even deal with this? Anyway, um, Angie has Lisa and uh, Whitney over and she says in a confess. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. This is where she just is talking to Sean about this. Sorry. So she's telling. Oh, I also have to give kudos to Angie. Because whoever did her makeup in this scene, they did a really great job. Like, they, they ate that. And that needs to be her regular beat. It, I really liked it. It was soft and it was gorgeous in that blinding white light. But anyway, Angie says in a confessional, her whole life is Sean and Electra. And for somebody to even question, that would just devastate her family. So Angie tells Sean, I didn't really sleep last, last night because of all the crazy things that happened. I didn't want to tell you, but like, some weird things came up and 
I don't want to tell you last night, but I was a little shocked because Meredith was alluding to the fact that she could destroy our family and that you actually like men or are like hooking up with men on the side. This one just goes, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> so Angie says, you know, this has been something that you've had to hear for like 30 years now being a hairdresser. And Sean says, but the bottom line is whether it's gay or straight, it's the cheating part that's bad. Like it's crazy. It's a smear campaign. And to what end is this woman willing to go to? What did we do to her? So Angie says to him, don't worry. Because I stood up for our family in that moment. And then Sean starts crying. And Angie goes, Sean, she's a miserable bitch. Don't let her get to you. <laughs> I think I, I love their love. I think it's strange. I think I would never want to have a love like theirs. But I want to see more of it. Like I just want to see what's going on. She's a miserable bitch, Sean. Don't let her get to you. <laughs> So then, you know, she's like, Sean says, you know, what really kills me is that Electra's going to hear about this. And I would just kill me to have her think that I would ever do something like this. So Angie's like, no, she's not going to think that. And then Sean talks about how, like, how he's been working his ass off to be Electra's hero and somebody that she looked up to. And Angie's like, she does, Sean. And the way she sees how you're handling this is going to make her respect you even more. Now, Angie says in a confessional. So we have to get the reminder that she's Greek, that in the Greek community, that they got married in the Greek Orthodox Church, that, that cheating is like illegal in Greek or something. So this is like a very, very big deal because they're Greek and like we couldn't possibly understand that cheating might be bad. Just, just Greek people. <laughs> but anyway, Sean says that Meredith is not welcome in their home and he doesn't want to be around her at all. And I was like, I'm rocking with you guys. She was on Watch What Happens Live. Sean was in the audience. And they're like, this is really, like, not cool as, you know, allies to the community. We think this is, like, you know, really horrific. This, you know, we know that this has been a trend going on in all of Housewives franchises to accuse somebody's husband of being gay for the sake of, like, a storyline or a kiki or whatever. And that's really unacceptable. But my question is, are we all forgetting that just last season finale, who was the one who was saying that Heather and Jen were doing Barbie Sazer kicks with each other and that Jen punched Heather in the face after a, a night of passionate sex? But now this is like the worst horrific thing that you've ever heard. But you, you did the exact same thing in my eyes. Am I wrong? Like you're also, we're suggesting that a married person has a chick on the side and also that they were doing like BDSM after they were doing a night of scissoring each other like Barbies. So I'm kind of hearing similar stories, but I'm wondering like why she's got, why it was fine for the Barbie, but not fine for Sean. Just a question. Just a question. Then we have a quick scene of Monica. She's running around her girls for school. And basically this talks, she tells us a lot about the relationship that she has with her daughters compared to the one that she has with her mother, which is night and day, right? She's constantly involved in the girls' lives. And it's very different because growing up, her mom was just moving her around a lot, always looking for something bigger and better. And a lot of time that was at Monica's expense. And she thinks that she might have some resentment over that. And that's why she's always searching for stability because she never really had that growing up with her mom. And she says, the only thing I can count on with my mom is that there's nothing to count on with my mom. So 
on the way to school, Monica talks to one of the girls. I think maybe the third one, third one, let's say. Okay, there seemed to be a smaller one. Um, after two, I can't count. Four, forget about it. So I think she was talking to the third one because the third one said um, the B word at school. She's like, why did you say the B word? I think this child might be about seven. And she's like, well, I meant to say boner. And they all look at her. She goes, well, that's not a bad word. And then the the, the fourth one goes, no, bone is a bad word. <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> so anyway, then Lisa takes Fudge College to get some pedicures. And she asks him about prom. And Fudge is like, oh, you know, I just asked the girl to prom the night before. And Lisa's like, but does she know that you're going on your mission? And he says, yes. So in a confessional, Lisa says, in their community, she's kind of the outlier in the sense that some parents will bribe their kids to go on a mission, make them feel bad, make them feel like they'll embarrass the family if they don't go. But Jack is non-Orthodox or Mormon 2.0, right? So she's been processing the fact that he's going to be leaving for two years and how like she just wants to spend every second with him. And honestly, like it's a bonus that he's really into men's grooming. (laughs) That's great for me. So Lisa tells him like, Oh, you know, when I told my friends, they all kind of freaked out when they found out you were leaving. Heather had some questions about, like, if you knew how hard it was going to be and, like, you know, how, like, not cool that was that she would ask that. And, like, it's none of her business. And she's like, you know, it's not like he's doing anything bad. He chose to serve a mission instead of, like, doing math or, like, teenage pregnancies. So she tells him she feels like he's prepared. And she goes, have you met, have you read the Book of Mormon yet? And he's like, yeah, I'm reading it now. She goes really? What do you think of it? And he's like, "Mm, it's action-packed. So Lisa goes, really? That's interesting. She says in a confessional, no, I have not read the Book of Mormon, but based on what I'm hearing about this book, I want to read it. I'm like shocked that Jack's reading it before me. I'm an avid reader. (laughs) So then they start talking about going to Temple because I guess Jack is maybe going to start going she's like, your dad's going to be there with you. I don't know if I'm going to be there, but your dad will definitely be there. And, you know, if you go to the temple, you're going to have to start wearing your G's, your garments, which she doesn't do, right? So Lisa says that she goes to church every week, but, like, to get into the pretty temples, you have to be worthy to go in them. But it kind of sounds to me like this is like a, you know, like at the museum where you can, like, pay whatever you want, you know, and they just get you on, like, an honor system or whatever, It sounds like you decide yourself whether or not you're worthy to go into the temple, but they like beat the guilt into you. So she says, you know, like for her, she might not feel worthy to go into the temple because she drinks too much Diet Coke. But for somebody else, it might be that they drink alcohol or you're banging your neighbor. Like there could be a bunch of reasons why you might not feel worthy to enter the temple. So then Lisa tells Fudge College it's not like I'm doing anything wrong, but you know, I, I could do more right. And there's not a night where I don't think, was I a good mommy today? But clearly I'm a great mom. If like you made the decision and he goes, well, the decision was all me though. That's why I didn't tell you. She goes, right. (laughs) Y'all, I have so many questions. Like I feel like Lisa's being as forthright and transparent as she can be, but I just have so many questions. Like I want to sit fudge down and ask him, why didn't you tell your parents? Because why did you say to her, I'm different from you? Why didn't you just let her have that moment of saying, you made a good decision and obviously I'm a good mom. Why couldn't you just let her have that? And why did you say instead, well, I made that decision myself and that's why I didn't tell you. 
because this actually has nothing to do with you. Like, I really want to know. Like, I feel like he's dropping hints and I'm picking him up, but I don't know if Lisa is. And I, I just want to know. Because it's not giving, like, I'm not telling my mom because I didn't want her to worry. I didn't want her to, like, fawn over me. This is, it, it sounds like something more, but okay we'll move on so angie has whitney and lisa over at this point and she tells them like she's still processing because i guess it's like either the same day that she told sean like a couple days after this happened i don't know but lisa says in a confessional i wish somebody had checked on me but instead i was sitting in bed eating a burrito so angie tells them you guys looking at you make you guys makes me feel better and i'm like girl this is because looking at these two Let's you know that you're going to stay on the show and that you have seen partners, but it's fine. Whatever. So she tells them that she talked to Sean about it and he cried and, you know, there's a little person involved and how she's going to hear about this and how is this going to affect my daughter? And she talks about how one time she, the night before she fell asleep with Electra's little hand in hers, (laughs) like Electra's like 12, right? Like no shade, (laughs) but I feel like we're talking about Electra like she's three. And she's 12. And I'm not saying that she won't be affected. Like, I think it would affect her more because she's going to be, like, on the internet, right? But I also, I feel like this is not, I mean, and you never know in the moment how this is going to land. Like, you know, you're just thinking, oh my god, we've been on television for five minutes now and, like, everybody is going to think my husband's gay. I get that. But I also feel like nobody, this isn't really, like, going anywhere. Like, I don't think anybody believes this. Also, I don't think anybody, like, cares. (laughs) It might be the more forthcoming opinion. I don't think anybody cares if Sean is gay and cheating. But I don't also don't think he is. But if he is, I don't care. You're getting a shrug from me. But Lisa tells her, you know, Angie, I was just in your shoes. No one believes this because me and John are the same way. We work together. We do everything. We're family. It's like, yeah, because you're literally family. But then Whitney's like, but we all know where Sean sleeps at night. In the bed with you and Electra. So Lisa tells her, She's like, Lisa says she's in a weird place because she's like trying to get back good with Meredith, but she's also like, no, pump the brakes. Cause it's like, you know, how do you stay silent when she feels like Meredith is doing the same thing to Angie that she did to her? And it's like a formula. Just take Lisa's name out and put Angie's in it. So Whitney tells her, just don't feed into it. Like, why? And like, you know, whatever, right? And like, she wished that she had done the same last year. And Lisa's like, yeah, but why is Monica saying so much though? And Whitney's like, honestly, I just feel like Monica heard the rumor and she wanted to be a good friend to Angie in the moment by telling her, right? But Lisa's like, but she just makes up stuff like that Snoop Dogg plane ride, <laughs> you know? And Whitney's like, I know, but like, yes, you and Monica had an interesting time in Palm Springs, but she also had the courage to tell you. So Whitney says in a confessional, Monica is not to be blamed because she said the rumor. She's Meredith's decoy and she can't, I just can't believe that Lisa's really falling for it too. Like Meredith's the one who started all this. Like this was your plan, girl. You're upset because your plan's failing. And that's funny to me. So then Angie tries to gauge with Lisa, like how she's feeling with Heather right now. And Lisa tells her, she's like, "Hey, I told her you're the last one to know about Jack, but he is going on a mission, and this is going to be a positive experience for him." And Angie's like, "You know, I have to say, after the trip, I've seen a different side of Heather, and she invited me to her house. So we do see a scene where it seems like they're painting." birdhouses together and they're both like apologizing to one another and just having a lovely moment right so angie says she was honored that heather invited her to her home because they've known each other since she was 15 and she just really didn't want that tension and how heather apologized for sitting back and not doing anything in palm springs 
and she's like you know i thought she maybe felt guilty because like it added another like another layer to what happened and lisa goes yeah i know what it's like to be laid on trust me so she says yeah heather was really like receptive and she was kind and she says you know like i've got a lot of grit and lisa's like well lucky you because she's never done that for me like for real like Oh, that's going through my mind right now. Like, I'm happy for you, but she's never given me that ever. And I have mixed feelings about it. Like, I'm literally getting triggered because, like, I'm like, where was this friendship last year? Like, this is fucking bullshit. The amount of crap that I've gone through. Like, I've had to put my hurt aside with a lot of things. I mean, like, you know what? Last year, Heather, if you cared a tenth about me, you would have come to me and said, hi, I saw you get brutalized and I feel bad about it. <laughs> and they're just looking at her like, Okay. <laughs> And then Lisa says in a confessional, it's so upsetting to me because it's like, where are my accolades for people talking about my family, my business, me behind my back? It's like, Angie, you had a bad weekend in Palm Springs. Like, I had endure it for three fucking years. <laughs> so then Lisa goes, Angie, you went through shit yesterday. And like, so this is not about me, but I literally had what you had like by like by 10 times, Angie. And I know this fucking sucks and it's so raw, and it, but, but it came and it wouldn't stop for me. Someone told Henry that I had naked pictures online because all the stupid stuff, he thought that maybe it was true and he came home crying. <laughs> so Whitney says in a confessional, Lisa's reaction's very shocking to me. Like, I had no idea she was harboring so many feelings from last year. Like, the Lisa, read the room. Like, the timing's not right. Like, we came here to make Angie feel better. So Lisa goes on to say that she got the shit kicked out of her emotionally and she was just like, fuck it all because nobody was there for me. And the Whitney's like, so you're upset because it's hard to sit here and hear that she got things that you never did. And Lisa's like, yeah, I've never got that from Heather. Like, I like myself too much. I like who I am. I like myself too much to deal with this. I'm good with you guys. Everyone else will just figure it out. <laughs> scene, scene of the episode for me. Scene of the episode. Other than this one with Meredith in the car with Brooks. It seems tense. And so she says in a confessional, that it's been a bit of a rough few days. She goes, we got in the car and we're driving about 15 minutes or so. This is after the opera soiree and it was a terrible, terrible snowstorm and our driver lost control of our car. And on one side of the road was a cliff and on the other side was a snowbank and it appeared that we were going to go over the cliff. It was, he someone how gained enough control to steer us into the snowbank. It was terrifying. I thought I was dying. I thought my last interactions of significance were going to be at Lisa's party. And that was just ugly and mean. And I decided I really want to spend my time with people I care about the most. Because you never know when it's ending. I'm like, yeah, can we come back to Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And then they show the car in the snowbank. And the lower third says, video of Meredith's, in quotes, accident. <laughs> now, they had been playing um, jokey music this whole time. They're paying no reverence to the fact that Meredith is deeply upset. <laughs> And we put accident in air quotes. Okay. So Meredith tweeted, why is the word accident in quotes? Is the implication that someone messed with the car brakes and tried to cause it? Hashtag R-H-O-S-L-C. <laughs> Meredith. And then Meredith did tweet again the following day because somebody, Jay's reality blog had posted the, um, clip of Meredith talking about the accident, right? So she quote tweeted this and said, this was a hard moment for me. I was in a horrible car accident uh, years ago when I was catapulted out of a car and knocked unconscious. I lost a dear friend in that accident. Accident. That moment was a horrible reminder and is nothing to make light of. Not humorous at all. Now, I just need to know, like, why... I want to know, like, who editors, which producers were like, let's just make this a joke. I really want to know. Like, what made them... Well, I want to know the thinking behind it. I really do. Because I laughed. Because she seems very upset. <laughs> anyway, then we find out on the way to go snowshoeing with Brooks that um, he just had his first relationship with a guy, but they broke up and, like, it, how great it was, but it's over, Right. And then they go to a park and they put these snowshoes on. And Brooks goes, you know, it's a stretch putting, putting these on. And Meredith goes, well, maybe you should stretch a little more often. To which Brooks, Brooks says, trust me, I get stretched all the time. She goes, okay, enough. <laughs> and then Brooks runs. Like, have you ever seen the Grinch run? Like from the Grinch movie when Jim Carrey was running around in that Grinch costume? That's what he looked like. Just like prancing around from side to side with those snowshoes on. Anyway, Monica takes her Nana to the senior center with her mother, Linda, so they can play cards, right? Monica tells us that moving around a lot, she didn't really know, like, her aunts and uncles or cousins. But she and her grandma, they saw each other super close. And she knows, like, their time is limited, so she doesn't want to take that for granted. So her mom starts playing, her grandmother, rather, Nana starts playing card games. Monica, I don't know if y'all notice this, is sitting next to a man who's just, like, actively drooling. God bless him. Like, can somebody, can we get a napkin and close that man's mouth, please? And can we not have him sitting in an angle so that it's just, like, coming out of his mouth? Like, can we have some dignity for this man? Then Monica and Linda go off so that Linda can tell her about the date that she went on and how he's two years younger. And Monica starts to say, well, that's good, because they never, but Linda goes, hey. She shuts that down. So she tells Monica that this dude that she went on a date with invited her to spend the weekend and then Monica's like, well, did you have fun? Linda says, well, he ghosted me. And Monica goes, well, you must have done something. And Linda goes, well, I did. 
I told him, even though I'm not Mormon anymore, I'm still celibate. And so Monica's like, it's confusing to me that she's left the church, but is still following the doctrine. And somehow it's like, it like makes her feel like she's a better person. Like maybe I'm not doing this or that, but I'm not having sex before marriage either. Right. So Linda asks Monica if she still considers herself to be Mormon. And Monica says, well, I genuinely struggle with that. So Linda goes, but do you want to raise the girls in the church? Because I believe wholeheartedly that those girls need Jesus. They need scripture. They need to learn how to pray. So Monica goes, stop for real. Because when you left the church, you apologized to me for raising me in the church. And Linda goes, no, I didn't. I don't remember that. And Monica goes, well, that's wild because I will never forget that. But now you want me to raise my kids in that. You know what I'm saying? So Linda says to her, but I think what's important is family prayer. Like, it's a joy to be able to lead your family. We went to church every Sunday. And Monica goes, yeah, and guess what? Your daughter still got knocked up at 19. Like, you're literally saying if you don't go to church every Sunday that I'm raising my kids wrong. But I do more for my kids than you ever did for me. And that's a fact. (laughs) So Linda goes, but I was a single parent making almost no money. But Monica goes, but I was also a single parent with Brie. I was making six twenty five an hour. I was on food stamps. I was on assistance, the whole thing. So then Linda tells her to like, just stop having a pissing contest and goes, I'm your mother. I'm not your equal. There has to be boundaries. Oh, sorry. Monica tells her there has to be boundaries, right? So Monica goes, you don't want to go there. And Linda goes, no, I do. And Monica goes, okay, well, let's talk about you just walking into my house. I could be having sex. 69 right on the couch and you just walk in and see it and we would never be the same again <laughs> and then they just stare at each other and linda goes lock your door if you're gonna have 69 on the couch <laughs> and then she goes and don't say nasty things about me if you haven't hung up the phone up by the way so monica says in a confessional they got into a disagreement And Linda thought that the call had dropped or she hung up the phone, but it didn't. And so Monica listened to her, call her a fucking piece of shit. I hate your fucking guts. You fucking bitch. I can't stand you. So Nana hears Monica repeating this and she goes, Monica, don't talk dirty in this place. And Monica goes, I was repeating what your daughter said. And Nana goes, I don't care who, no dirty here, no dirty here. (laughs) So then Linda starts to laugh and sarcastically is like, I'm so sorry. Monica's like, I wish that I could say this is the first time that happens, but that's actually very on par for my mom. So she tells her mom, even on my worst days, I am not talking about hating my daughter's guts. Like, I can't even imagine saying that. This is so fascinating. It's interesting to me in the way that, like, Kendra Wilkinson and her mother's relationship was very interesting because clearly Kendra's mom wanted the fame that Kendra had, wanted the accolades, wanted to be up at those Playboy parties at, you know, the midnight, midsummer's dream party, twerking with Paris Hilton right along with her daughter, or even not even have her daughter there, just be the only one there. And it's interesting, like these clearly like younger mother's daughter relationships where the mom is trying to like live her life, but also have a kid the kid ends up being like a victim of that in some form or fashion, but then they're like still close to each other, but they also don't like each other, but they love each other. You know what I mean? And to watch them like try to navigate that is so fascinating. Like I can't imagine 
hearing my mom thinking that she hung up the phone with me and her calling me a fucking bitch and a piece of shit like I can't imagine that and for that to just be par for the course for them like that's wild dude I shout out to Monica for having to deal with that because couldn't be me could not be me the episode ends with bad weather going skiing and Heather tells Whitney that she talked to Lisa about Jack going on his mission but she was like kind of confused as to why she would be the last to know since she's the one who knows more about that stuff than anybody in the group and so Whitney is like it seems like this is a sore spot that she told you last like does this bug you and so Heather just like not very nonchalantly just grabs a handful of snow from her feet and like put some in her mouth just like chewing away during this whole scene she's like but it doesn't bug you and he's like no like it's almost like good for him and heather goes but why and whitney's like well i think he's doing what he thinks is best for him at this point in life and so heather goes and you don't have any global feelings about that in terms of the mormon church and whitney goes no i i have global feelings about the mormon church i just don't have feelings about jack in particular so heather says Whitney choosing to say good for him makes no sense. It's absurd. How can the church be this horrible, traumatic thing that's ruined your life and you wrote a letter to get away from it, but it's also good for him to go out there and convert more people to live it? So Heather goes, don't you feel conflicted, though, about him actually going door to door, telling people to join the Mormon church when you've just left it? And so Whitney goes, if I'm hearing you, you think I'm being hypocritical. Very like therapy speak. So Heather goes, No, I just think we're all like acting excited and supportive about a guy selling a church that we know can be very destructive and not giving him any of the details and just have him sign on the dotted line because that's what we do as missionaries. And I'm conflicted because, of course, I had good experiences. Like I got to see France, I learned a language, and I had all these things that didn't ruin my life. But I also had to convince people who didn't want to change their lives to join the Mormon church. And I feel shame about that. I feel bad that I've changed and ruined a lot of people's life with such conviction. And if he was recruiting for another institution that had the same issues, we wouldn't be like, oh, I don't care to each his own. But when he's like, but what do you want me to do? Like knock on their door and tell them to stop this? So Heather goes, I feel like we're not being honest about the true history. Like it's homophobic. They don't feel like trans people exist. And so Heather says in a confessional, these are my feelings about the church and I know they're not everybody's feelings but they are Whitney's and we've bonded over this and we've talked over feeling the same way so they agree yeah the Mormon church is sexist they have a history of racism and she's like I feel like she's trying to form her identity in in a community that's telling her that she's wrong and that's how she felt writing the book like she would walk into a room and feel like she was the enemy and that's probably how Lisa felt because she didn't tell her about Jack, but she just assumes that she would feel a certain way because of the book she wrote, which seems like what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know if it has to do with the book. I think it just has to do with your general convictions, you know? So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know why Heather is acting confused. You know that Lisa knows how you feel, and she's not about to get into it with you with her son. And I think that, like, yeah, is Whitney being a little bit hypocritical? But I also feel like, I don't really, like, you really want Whitney to be like, I don't support what your son is doing? (laughs) I could understand why this might be a little bit of a difficulty for her. But, um, 
I also like, you know, I, I talk a lot about like objective truth versus subjective truth and like Heather is running in an objective truth. She's right. I'm rocking with her. Like she is right. But subjectively, this is Whitney's friend's kid. He feels like he's doing the right thing. Lisa knows how they feel already. So what is she really going to do? I don't know. Like, usually I'm, like, always fan 10 down and be honest and, like, keep it on the carpet. But I also feel like it's her friend's kid. You know? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I would say if, like, one of my friend's kids ended up being, like, a cop. I don't know. What would I say to that? Like, what could I say? Like, you know how I feel. What am I going to do? Am I going to stop being friends with her? Because, you know, like, what do you do? I don't know. I legitimately don't know. But, like, my friend's kids are, like, three. So, at the oldest. So, like, <laughs> you know, for the most part. So, I got at least, at least 10 years before I have to think about something. 10 to 15 years before I have to think about this. So, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm, I totally get Heather's point. But I also kind of understand where Whitney's at. Like, I don't really know what you want her to do. So, Whitney decides to divert the conversation as she should. <laughs> and was like, you know, because uh, Lisa or Whitney says, you know, it's kind of funny that you are saying all this because I was with Lisa and Angie the other day. And Lisa had this major reaction to hearing that Angie came over to your house. Like, I think she was like jealous or hurt. And so I was like that's really confusing. Like, I'm really confused by Lisa. I don't know what she wants from me. Like, does she want me to have a compassionate friendship? If she did, she would have told me about Jack's mission, but she didn't. But she's also upset that I extended myself to Angie. (laughs) So the episode ends with Whitney saying in a confessional, she was really butthurt. Like, I've never seen anything like this before. (laughs) And we're going to have to see. I'm actually intrigued. Or I feel like I'm liking this season a lot more than I liked last season. Like, I was really tapped out really couldn't do it it was a struggle but um I'm happy to be back I'm happy to be interested we have so many housewives coming up Potomac is back we have married to medicine coming back uh so many things selling sunsets coming back did you guys see the trailer for selling sunset check it out it's on uh Chriselle's Instagram (laughs) with that you guys thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking have a great weekend